1: Radio 927 WFNZ, where somebody just made a Devontae Graham comp for RJ Davis. And I think I like it, but I'm not entirely sure that I should. Tar Heel Matt just said Devontae Graham. I, I, I mean, am I wrong? RJ Davis, like, significantly better offensive. Pro- I don't know.
2: In terms of consistency, yeah. Off yeah. the dribble, I, I just feel like I know what happened. Small point guard. Yeah. It happened it has North Carolina ties. Uh huh. War number four. Played over four years years in college boom and I'm not saying that's wrong I'm just saying it's kind of funny that's how you came up with it but I mean I've heard worse
1: yeah that's not bad that's Uh, not bad uh Charlotte born GJ says KB Lavelle Moten to NC State question mark we talked about that on Friday Thursday or Friday of last week I think and I, I think maybe at some point but like Lavelle Moten he's been He's been at NC Central for, what, 15 years? Is that right? As a coach, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying he never leaves, but is State the job that gets him out of there? It's not like he went to State. He's not even from North Carolina. He's from Boston, right? So does the State job have any real meaning to him? Is, is that the one that he's waiting on? I don't know. I, I, you could certainly do worse than Lavelle Moton. There's no doubt about that. But, again, I wonder if Lavelle Moton is – like, is, is he – I don't know. I, he might be a lifer there. We'll see. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Keep hitting us up on the text line, the FanDuel text line, where Panther Cliff says that for the people, the people who want to ban court storming, are a bunch of big ass soft batch cookie b words. Okay, all right. So, uh, Coach Dardy, not a fan of the court storming stuff, but I, I just, I'm blaming the universities. There's a lot of blame to go around here. Putting in jail people, putting people in jail is a ridiculous idea. Um, I, and forfeiting games, I think is is a ridiculous idea. Otherwise, they would have adopted it already. As I keep telling you, from now on, we ignore the court-storming conversation because they can do something about it they're choosing not to. Until then, I don't care anymore. Uh, Aaron Taylor, CBS Sports Network, coming up in 15 minutes. He played uh, at Notre Dame where he was a two-time All-American. He was a Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, played a half-dozen years in the NFL, and uh, now he's in studio for CBS Sports Network Network covering college football he's going to join me in 15 minutes we'll talk about a cool new venture that he's a part of we'll also get his thoughts on the future of college football realignment and what he thinks about the carolina panthers and bryce young going into year two all that's coming up in just a bit but right now it's the best audio in sports what did you say you what what did you say hold up
2: wait a minute something ain't right what did i hear you say what i mean by that is All right, what you got over there? All right, Kyle. Well, we've been mentioning and talking about R.J. Davis and what his future could be in the NBA. But the real question, at least for now, is should be what his potential is for him next month in March. As UCLA head coach Mick Cronin, who's likely not going to be in the tournament this year, thinks the next month could be a dandy for the UNC guard.
1: I've seen teams get hot. You're talking to a guy that saw Kemba Walker get hot. Not only did he win five in a row, then he won six in a row. And I saw it firsthand. Like, if you ask me right now,
3: I would tell you a team that I shouldn't say it because I don't want to jinx anybody. But I'm a fan of R.J. Davis. I know him as a kid. I recruited him before while I was at Cincinnati. I've watched him get 42. I've seen him get 30. You know, I see a kid like that,
1: and I see a guy that could just go on a heater and just, you know, carry a team. <laughs> well, you know, the comp makes sense here. Uh, Kimba Walker did get hot at UConn, carried him to a national championship. They're about the same size. Lightning in a bottle. It's an easy comp to make, or it makes a lot of sense, I should say.
2: And remember, UCLA got beat by Carolina in 2022 in the Sweet 16. Oh, that's true.
1: So, I mean, Mick Cronin, I didn't know Mick Cronin was a big R.J. Davis fan like that. It's it's a very timely clip because uh, I I think Cronin's right about that. I'm anxious to see how R.J. finishes the season. And I hope that, you know, he's in a position as a non Carolina fan, but as an RJ Davis fan, I hope that he's in a position here in a handful of weeks to do exactly that. Don't know if he will, but I hope he's in that position. What else you got?
2: All right, these next few clips come from the Combine or NFL draft talk. As yesterday, Dan Morgan spoke with the media in Charlotte or Indian yeah, in Indianapolis. And one of the questions that fell through the main talking points over the last twenty four hours is of what Dan makes of second year wide receiver Jonathan Mingo. And if he still has hope for last year's second round pick.
3: Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit, you know, unfair, you know, him being a rookie. You know, it's hard for rookie wideouts to come in this league and just, you know, have instant success and just dominate from the get go. Um, Again, a young player that's still developing, um, has all the all the tools you need to be a really good receiver in this league. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the future with him
1: doesn't it stand to reason that if you want to give bryce young a bit of a pass on year one or at least say hey chaotic situation rookie quarterback tough to evaluate him because of the offensive line disaster don't we kind of have to extend the same grace to jonathan mingo
2: i would think so yeah
1: i now having said that there were some concerning things about mingo this year that give people i think justifiable cause to be a little bit worried right Um, I didn't think the routes were always very crisp I didn't think he necessarily did his quarterback many favors at times certainly when it came to you know routes breaking down and trying to get open there were some missed blocks in the run game that you could point out but again he's a rookie so you want to extend him some grace but this is not not to overemphasize a second year player having to do too much to I don't want to make it a referendum on his entire career but this feels like a really important year for Jonathan Mingo what else you got
2: well, as we know, this wide receiver class upcoming is loaded, and some of us have been intrigued with Lad McConkey. Both of us, by the way. McConkey. Yeah, and Mike Renner, formerly of Pro Football Focus, joined a Mean at Kind show, and had high praise for the Georgia wide receiver. High praise.
3: I have been saying this for a while now, and it's lofty. I get that it's lofty, but he—this is who he reminds me of, just from a movement skill standpoint. And it's Antonio Brown. They're almost identical from a size perspective. Antonio Brown was actually a little bit shorter, same wingspan, same weight. Mm. And just the ability that I see, the thing that really stands out and why I mentioned him in particular is that they both can go from full speed to complete stop just quicker than almost any wide receivers that I've seen at collegiate NFL level. Like that's, and that's a skill that wins. And that's how Antonio Brown got open deep despite running he ran like a 4, 5, 6 at the combine. He, he was mm. never a blazer, but he could vary his speeds and really threaten corners because he could stop at will. And so you're hip to hip with him. He would just stop and make you blow by him at any given point in time. And so he was nasty on the outside. And that's what I see with McConkie is just that ability that, oh, you're with me right now, but as soon as I want to, yeah. I can stop, run a dig, change directions, run a comeback. And you can't stick with that. I think Daniel Jeremiah tweeted this out. He said all these sec corners look good until they face lad mcconkey and it's like that's
1: just the kind of athlete he is Uh, this is for a couple things on this i really like lad mcconkey in part because we share a birthday oh really oh yeah we're both 11 11 babies oh that's awesome yeah like wish upon a star make a wish at 11 11 we're 11 11 babies um he's very fast i i think you're gonna see him run a 4 4 this week at the combine Uh, he is running right i think so i believe he's running he's six feet tall so, you know, he's not a 5'10 slot receiver type. He played, somebody just said, stop, he's not AB. All right, listen, you can disagree with that, but I think what, what people are starting to really find out or realize is that, hey, this is a legitimate NFL wide receiver candidate. He's not tiny. He can absolutely blaze. He can create separation. He played a lot more on the outside, a hell of a lot more on the outside than he ever did in the slot. At Georgia, and I think that's a surprise to some people when they realize that. I think it was like 80-20 uh, outside versus inside for Ladd McCawkey. And I wonder, is he going to make it to 33 the way people I, are talking I'm about him? I'm starting
2: to get concerned about that too, I, Kyle. I, I, I felt okay
1: about him making it to 33 there for a while. I'm not I'm sitting here today. I'm not sure he makes it's it to funny, 33.
2: His right, the, the way that people are talking about him, it makes me think of how we were talking about Christian McCaffrey in 17. Because it's like, oh, yeah, you get Christian McCaffrey at 40, and it quickly turned to, yeah, if Carolina wants to get him, you got to get Christian McCaffrey at eight you're not going to get him at all
1: i mean i've had some people say well you know why weren't his stats more gaudy at georgia why he got banged up last year well he got a little banged up yeah i mean they do have brock bowers so i mean they they have weapons they can run the football they maul you with the line of scrimmage they can do it they do whatever they want to most teams but as a prospect there is a lot of reason to like lad McConkey in my mind and you know as you said before, do I think there might be a bit of a perception that because he's a white wide receiver that some people just think that, you know, he's either got to be a Patriot or he's got to coach one day like there's, there's those are the only options for him. I don't I don't think that's true.
2: We're just going to pretend that Cooper Cup doesn't exist.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I listen, we we joke and somebody told me the other day, they're like, listen, KB, I'm pretty white. If they draft him, I'm getting a, a McConkey jersey made immediately. And I am like, there's probably going to be a lot of you if they draft Lad McConkey." So, What else you got?
2: Andy Reid has also been making rounds at the Combine this week and yesterday while with Mike Florio on Chris Sims on Pro Football Talk, he revealed that Taylor Swift has actually gotten involved with the Chiefs organization and helping out. In the Swifties this year. Yeah. Tell us about that. Was there ever a moment during the year where you were like, whoa, I don't know. This might be too much for us. I really didn't worry
1: about it. I, I knew her dad and her mom, and I would met her when she was young. Since the queen has passed away, she might be the most famous woman in the world. I right? don't disagree uh, yeah. with you. You're right. Yeah. She's so grounded for who she is. Yeah. I think it's a great escape for her where she can come in and she sincerely enjoys the game. Yeah. And kind of behind the scenes, she... uh you know, she likes to cook, so she made the offensive lineman these homemade Pop-Tarts. Oh,
2: wow. So it was over. What? Right, was <laughs> Taylor Swift yeah. homemade yeah. Pop-Tarts? Yeah, so it was over. She knew right where to go. The right to go. Yeah. Did, Did you get, you get one to them? Yeah, they it's over. The the it's over. Right.
3: Did they <laughs> give <laughs> you one? You know, she didn't give me one. <laughs> Damn! And the offensive lineman definitely gave not one. Yeah, right.
1: She didn't even give one to Andy Reid, huh? I don't have anything else. I mean, did Taylor Swift making Pop-Tarts at school, I guess. I I guess. I yeah, don't know. Travis lock her did up. Do we think she actually made the Pop-Tarts? Actually, yeah. You th- you think so?
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess it's possible. I'm not saying she can't, but I mean, she is bleepy rich now. Well, so. she's bleepy rich. She's always on tour, very busy. Like when she could when could she possibly be making homemade Pop-Tarts? That's my only question. Like did she just, you know, buy them from a local bakery and <laughs> like let them think that she made them i'm not listen i'm not calling into question her integrity she's a very busy lady that's all i'm saying very busy lady that's what did you say the best audio in the world of sports when we return we talk to a super bowl champion two-time all-american at notre dame cbs sports networks aaron jones we talk a little big picture college football some carolina panthers and a new venture uh, that teaches kids the game of football aaron taylor next on sports radio 92.7 wfnz This is Trey Mann, and you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7, WFNZ, FN, Harrisburg, and WLNK, HD3, Charlotte, home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, the best damn sports talk in the Carolinas. We appreciate you hanging out with us here on a wild take. Wednesday, we got a busy show ahead, 5 o'clock hour particularly so. Uh, Coming up one hour from now, Chris Trapasso cbs sports nfl draft analyst and specialist uh we'll talk panthers with him how to weaponize the offense and what they might be looking for obviously but also uh this is drake may country drake may has been talked about a lot this week and you know where he's drafted his uh abilities his shortfalls according to some we'll talk about all that with Chris Trapasso coming up at 520, but right now we talk uh, college football and we get some thoughts on the Panthers as well with our buddy Aaron Taylor from CBS Sports Network. Uh, you see him in studios every weekend. He's a college football analyst. He played at Notre Dame where he was a two-time All-American. He also played six years in the NFL with the Packers and the Chargers. He got a ring in Green Bay. He's a Super Bowl champion and he's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Aaron, it's good to have you back, brother. How you been?
5: It's good to be here, Kyle. Always happy to hop on and talk some ball with you, brother.
1: Yeah, man, it's good to have you back. And and so let's start with something because you're doing a really cool thing. You're here today uh, to tell us about your latest involvement with future fans. It's uh, a game, as as I understand it, that uh, is all about engaging and teaching youth about the game of football. Let's just start with the basics. What is future fans and, and what should folks know about it?
5: Well, it's an innovative way and learning system that reimagines how kids learn sports by making it fun and easy by embedding the rules and concepts of football, which can obviously be convoluted, but into a storybook led experience. So at night I I read a story and read the story to my daughter. We play some games and it's helped her really become a fan. And I think more than anything, it's created an opportunity to create a family experience, a way for me to, to connect with my daughter over a sport that I love that she's been historically resistant to because football always takes daddy away in the fall. So it's a super easy activity for parents that they can do together with their kids. It's won six awards since the launching in September, so it's not out of the park. And it's really innovative in the way that it introduces concepts that can kind of be convoluted. And the ring toss concept, four beanbags, four rings, where you get four chances to put a beanbag inside the ring. If you do, you get to advance to that ring and get four more chances to try to get a beanbag into the next ring. And that's their brilliant concept to introduce the fact that you get four downs to get a first down. So if I tried to sit there and explain that to my seven-year-old, her eyes would have rolled back in (laughs) her head. But instead, we read the story and played beanbag toss for 20 minutes that day Another 20 minutes the next day, and probably every three or four days now, we'll get that back out, and she just thinks we're playing a game, but it's really introducing the concepts of the sport to her, and I'm really excited about it. Anything that promotes the sport of football, especially as a girl dad, I'm all about. This thing has knocked it out of the park. So if you're a girl dad out there and looking for ways to connect with your kids or a grandparent or a caregiver, uh, go to Amazon and look up Future Fans or go to futurefans.com. Put in the promo code FANS and get 15% off. It's a great way to connect as a family and introduce the sport of football and create a future fan for life. And that's just something that I did not have the opportunity to do with my own daughter, which is why I'm so excited about this and want other people to know that that's possible for him.
1: No, I, th- I think that's so cool. I, I've got two daughters. I've got a son, and, and already my 18-month-old son demands that I put football on the screen. He, daddy football. Daddy fo- he doesn't know what he's looking at, but he knows it's exciting, right? Uh, but his, sister, his older sister, she can be a little bit resistant to it, but I think this is cool, man. This is really, really cool. And look, I, we talk about like the father-son bond in sports a lot on this show and, and elsewhere, but... Um, I'm getting the, the father-daughter bond as a dad for the first time. And so I, I often think about, you know, is this something that we're going to bond over? Or will this be just, you know, my son and I? So I think it's a really cool thing that you've done here to help bridge that gap and to teach guys, quite frankly, or give them an opportunity uh, to bond that way.
5: And I think if, if there's a lot of meatheads out there like me, right? Like I sit down to watch the game. I'm like, hey, come over here and watch the game. See, this is football. And you're trying to get a touchdown. <laughs> the line of scrimmage, and like, she's looking at me like, why are you still talking? And out come the unicorns, out come the gymnastics mats. And I didn't want to take my attention away from the game, but in this respect, there's a bingo watch game card, right? So there's different things. When you recognize a penalty or a first down with a run or a first down with a pass or a field goal or a touchdown, you can mark it on this dry erase board, and it gives them something to do. There's a wristband that has different plays and terminology. So we're out in the yard throwing the football. She has no idea how to throw. And for the record, I don't either. But it's creating new touch points, man. And I think at the end of the day, with all the electronics and all that stuff, what I personally as a father really enjoyed about it, it's allowed me to connect with my daughter, to focus on her, but in a way that promotes something that's meant so much to me my entire life. And she's not all the way there. But I saw the other day she was sitting at her desk and she was drawing the Kansas team and an arrowhead. Because she knows who Travis Kelsey is, was drawing his jersey because of what we've seen with the Taylor Swift effect. So I'm hopeful that we get to reintroduce and and create a whole new generation of sports fans and future fans is positioned to help that take place and. I'm all about it.
1: That's fantastic. we got Aaron Taylor, CBS Sports Network football analyst, former Super Bowl champion, by the way, uh, two-time All-American as well out of Notre Dame. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So let let me start broadly here, and I want to leave this purposefully open-ended just to see where – I think you can tell us in that way where you think the priorities in college football lie. But um, we're in an interesting place right now. Right. Uh, We are talking about just the other day, Tennessee and Virginia had those, uh, uh, you know, they they were upheld by the Supreme Court and it was a blow to the NCAA, uh, NIL and Portal, the combination of the two. We've been talking about that for a couple of years. And now we're seeing the SEC and Big Ten, you know, really start to try to pull away from everybody else. I mean, it seems as chaotic as it's been over the last couple of years. Aaron, where do you think this is all headed?
5: We are rapidly accelerating and even faster than I thought possible to the professionalization of intercollegiate athletics. It's arguably been there. The notion of amateurism has been a sham for a long time. All the business got handled behind the scenes and the curtain and not very discreetly. But now the enterprise of intercollegiate athletics is an economic windfall. So the, the perfect storm, if you will, of the extra eligibility with the COVID year, the immediate eligibility, that's granted the transfer portal, which is the mechanism that players can go from one school to the other, the ability for name image and likeness for individual players to benefit from their own success, that cacophony of gumbo, if you will, uh, has created a set of circumstances that's going to change the the collegiate landscape forever. I'm concerned about that because it loses the integrity of, of what created this game, which is rivalry regionality, history, pageantry, those sort of things are largely out the window. UCLA is going to be going on the road to play Rutgers for a big 18 game. So we're going to see these changes and the tails wagging the dog with so much money that's to be made in the end. We're still going to love the product, but the rich are going to get richer. I think it'll be a two tier system where the, the, what was power five, now the power four, eventually going to be the big two, almost like an AFC NFC, We're moving that way because that's where the most money can be made, and I think people are realizing that. So moving from the 14 to the 12-team discussions immediately about the 14-team playoff and what that might look like, more is better when it comes to generating revenue, and college football is rapidly on its way to do that at all costs.
1: So I, I don't think people are going to shed many tears for the coaches in this situation, but it is interesting that Nick Saban retired, um, some reports that there are a lot of guys knocking on his door wanting NIL raises. Mike Loxley's talked about third stringers coming to his front door, his, his office door in Maryland wanting raises. Chip Kelly left a head coaching job to go to Ohio State. Uh, Jeff Halfley, seems like he couldn't be happier to be out of college athletics, leaving BC and, and to Green Bay now as their defensive coordinator. We've seen this in college basketball already with Roy and Kay and Jay Wright and some of the legends, Bayheim stepping down. Do you think we're seeing some of that in college football right now?
5: Absolutely. And you just laid it out beautifully. And for the first time ever, we have head coaches that aren't fired, but are willingly stepping down, taking lateral or lower positions because of what's taking place. Sean Elliott's another one that left a head coaching position and now is going to be uh, an assistant coach at South Carolina. That's unprecedented. Now guys are taking less money because the money's so good because the headache is now not worth it for a lot of these guys. So, if you're a Nick Saban, do you want to have to deal with a backup running back coming in and asking for $500,000 that he's going to take his talents elsewhere? Nobody wants that. But that's the environment that we've been created. The coaches hate it because they have very little control and certainly not complete control about who they sign to their rosters. The athletic directors are throwing their hands up because they don't want to be on the hook about certain things. So, the collectives and the alumni groups used to pay for association and proximity. Now they have actual power. So as good as things are, it's going to create a lot of unintended consequences. And the same thing that plagued the NCAA will plague this new system, which is why we need a collegiate czar. Mm. We need somebody in control of everything, a commissioner of sorts that's making a decision on the collective behalf of all participants which I think is going to be 32 or 64 at most. And we'll have a two tier system, a lot like when we went division one to division two. There's going to be the blue bloods and the big boys and everybody else. They'll still play, but it won't be a level playing field. It'll just be out in the open and nobody needs to disguise it anymore.
1: Aaron, last thing, I'll cut you loose. Uh, you played six years in the league. We got the Carolina Panthers just down the road here, and uh, nobody was expecting Super Bowl last season, but it was far worse than just about anybody imagined that it would be with Bryce Young. Everybody was excited for Bryce Young, new coaching staff. They go 2-15. and What uh, What'd you think of the situation here, and uh, do you think it's bleak? What do you think of Bryce's future in the NFL?
5: I think it's bright, and I think we've seen a lot of quarterbacks come in and struggle, and a lot of that is supporting cast and the environment that you're in, and I think... As a Panther fan, you'd be foolish to to turn your back on him and start looking forward to who the next quarterback can be. There's some issues on that team that need to be addressed that I think are going to be able to help him, getting good wide receivers, beefing up the interior of that offensive line among them. Dan Morgan, who one of the things we share in common is we went into the College Football Hall of Fame together, and I enjoyed reconnecting with him and chatting a couple years ago when that happened. He's he's a brilliant and great football mind you, you earn your keep by what you do in the draft and this will be a very important one especially with a new head coach who's committed to running the football those are the sort of things that can help a Bryce Young if you can get an interior offensive line beef up those guys up front add a running game to that now all of a sudden Bryce Young's ability to push the ball down the field and take advantage of some play action situations takes a little bit of the pressure off him which shoots his skill set so I'm still bullish on the Carolina Panthers, but this draft is going to have a lot to say about what these next two or three years look like.
1: Love it. Aaron Taylor, I, I enjoy this. We should do this more often, man. I appreciate the time. Be well.
5: I'm all about it, man. I enjoyed our little convo about kids and, and being in the throes of that fog as well. So we'll, uh, we'll keep it rolling.
1: Futurefans.com, right? Yes, sir. There you go. Aaron Taylor with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline futurefans.com it's uh, looking at it again one of the, one of our listeners weatherman Mark just sent me the uh, the link to it. it's it's cool it's 59.99 it's uh, use it to teach little kids football teach them the rules of the game. It's got games books toys activities and thanks for ages uh, kids ages four to ten which is pretty cool if you want to check it out 704 hit us up on the text line a lot of you are uh, DJ said this guy is definitely a Notre Dame guy. I mean I'm guessing that means you think he's smart. Uh, that, that'd be the implication that I got. Aaron Taylor's a really smart guy uh, for a guy who's as decorated as he is. He's as good as anybody on a studio show that I think you're going to find on the, on the major networks covering football, right? He he handles college, he does college football for CBS, but that guy. So, I mean, he could do, you know, the network Sunday pregame shows. He's fantastic. And, and he was talking about college athletics there. Tim hates tanking said irresponsible adults, ruining the sports, big brand honk sniffers, like Ari Wasserman. Combined with kids that think they're owed millions before turning 18 has made college sports easy to turn off. That's from Tim. It's it's fascinating to me how many of you on the text line have said that in the past several months. Now, I don't know how, and Tim, this is not at you. I don't know how many of you are following through on that, you know, and, and not watching it. Or if you're just lamenting the state of college sports and, you know, still watching begrudgingly or out of, you know, I'm not even sure. But there are a lot of folks who feel that way. They seem to anyway on the text line. Uh, 704-570-9610. Also, we've got a little bit of breaking news coming out, Smoke. You sent this to me a couple of minutes ago. Joe Bruno of WSOC has reported that the Carolina Panthers have filed plans to build a 5,000-seat field house in Uptown for training camp and practices. How about that, Smoke? I'm just clicking on this link for the first time now. Where exactly th- does it specify where they're going to build this 5,000-seat field house?
2: I have not seen the specifics in the article, but uh, hopefully it goes better than the last time they were trying well,
1: <laughs> You could start there, yeah. Uh, hopefully it goes better than Rock Hill. That's the joke that everybody's going to pop off with. But a 5,000-seat venue, restaurants, and retail. A mixed-use approach. That's all the rage in in, uh, in these ventures these days. But it would be near... So they're trying to replace the old training field bubble near Bank of America Stadium. Right. Um, The report, again, says could bring new retail, food, and entertainment options. Uh, According to the planning documents, the team wants to build the new field house and training facilities on its property at 325 South Cedar Street. Uh, Channel 9 previously reported that the team wanted to make changes to the uptown practice site, but the new documents provide more insight into what the team envisions. The rezoning uh, calls for a venue that can seat up to 5,000 people for events. The documents add that the development could include space for a quote-unquote restaurant-slash-bar, retail stores, food trucks, and lodging. The zoning documents say the team wants to develop on about 12 acres of land. It says the proposed uses... Include, quote, practice slash training facilities and field house facilities, indoor seating for sports and events slash performances, viewing on a periodic basis, and up to 5,000 seats for such uses outdoors and on a periodic basis. That's what it says. So, uh, 5,000 seats. Th- this, by the way, is where they're going to do training camp moving forward. Meaning that, and here we go. Sweet Cheeks just said it. No more free training camp. Yeah, I I'd bet you're paying to get into training camp now. Five thousand. Now I say that twelve acres. Maybe they come up with something that will still allow for a Homer Hill Homer Hill type of field to practice. <laughs> I don't know, but if they're doing it in uptown, where you're already going to have to pay to park, and really pay to park, I would imagine free training camp is probably out the door. Right, smoke. What what do you think?
2: Probably yeah. Especially now that you're going to be on their facilities because. Up until this point, it was Wofford, so you had to go to a different facility, and it was out of the kindness of their heart, essentially. So, yeah, I think those days are numbered, but uh, I also, as a guy who's been around many of practices, and you can probably attest to this, I don't really see the benefit of going to the – unless you can't go to the games. I don't really see the benefit of going to training camp, especially in the middle of the summer around here. Okay. Or in Spartanburg, especially Spartanburg.
1: (laughs) All right, 704-570-9610. Oh, Trey and Shelby says first music, now food. Tepper brings to Charlotte. All right, the jokes are coming. Uh Woody from Stanley, I assume buying tickets are going to be involved. Yeah, I would think so. Uh someone says I, I would imagine where the bubble once was. Yes, no doubt. M Dog says a new brewery named Missed Opportunities.
2: Don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. That honestly should be a brewery name around here. Th- that not involved with the Panthers, honestly.
1: A brewery named Missed Opportunities. I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm here for it. Let's go to smoke on the headlines.
2: this report is sponsored by the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation has been at the forefront of inflammatory bowel disease research and care for over 50 years learn more about research education and support at Crohn's colitis foundation.org uh, Kyle this uh, is just going to be one uh, news update here because I mentioned during the last news update that uh, chief Saholic has been sentenced to it looks like up to potentially up to 50 years well Kyle uh, luckily, the Kansas City media has been on the on top of this, and we've gotten the uh, the comments from his lawyer. And Kyle, it is a sight to behold. Take a listen.
6: From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing, and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about aholic we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because He's capable of doing a great thing, and he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chief's kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. Thank you and God bless.
1: Well, the government does blitz all the time. Can't argue with that. They're blitzing you every paycheck. So Chiefsaholic, AKA Xavier Babudar is right about that we all believe he's writing his attorney statements right i mean this man's facing 50 years in prison for bank robbery he know to finance by the way all of his kansas city chiefs road trips like he knows he's cooked so now he's trying to write himself into lore correct that's what we're watching here (laughs) yes there's a documentary coming how much is he paying this attorney because he's not just paying him to read these statements he's paying him for his reputation, too. <laughs> like what? That, by the way, that's that's not a joke, y'all. That's a real attorney representing Chief Saholic, reading that statement in front of the assembled media. It's a real attorney doing that. Oh my gosh! God bless America. Is that all you got? Uh, you know, there's, there's no following up on that. There go, is not. Let's just go to break. We'll come back. We'll tell you who balled out. Five o'clock hours busy. Chris Trappasso. We'll talk draft. We talk Hornets. We talk hoops. A lot of good stuff. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. <laughs>
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
5: This is Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to Kyle Billy on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. 22
1: ticks on the clock. below good protection, throws in the end zone. Ricky Poole! It's
3: going to be a drag made ball.
1: performers big time achievers we call it who balled out it's powered by high performance real estate advisors and the biggest baller of them all thomas elrod go to highperformancerealestate.com and they'll see you at the closing table
2: smoke what you got i gotta go with the star tonight in the nba max Strus, for balling out he had a good output 21 points four rebounds four assists and two blocks but most importantly he had one of the most impressive half court heaves we've seen since jeremy lamb's incredible half court heave in, in toronto about five years ago for the Cavaliers who beat the Mavericks at home in an incredible moment. Uh,
1: I'm right there with you, and uh, I- I've got to go with Marcus Fulton, uh, Notre Dame, the, r- the freshman, 31 points last night in the upset win over Wake Forest. Just an awful loss for Wake Forest. Now, I- there's no way to spin it. And that's not me crapping on Wake Forest. I- I'm hoping for that. I'm rooting for them to make the tournament for the ACC's sake, and I think they probably still will. But I mean, Duke was. Duke was two steps forward last night, was one step back, I think, to reverse it a bit. I don't think last night cost them the bid or anything, but it was a bad look, and it didn't help. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but the freshman dropping 31 points last night, and an upset win over Wake Forest. That's who balled out. 704 7096 hit us up on the FanDuel text line. Um, we had texters writing in, Tim hates tanking, hit me up. And he said, he was the one that said that, you know, irresponsible adults are ruining college, ruining college sports, big brand honk sniffers, like Ari Wasserman combined with kids that think they're owed millions before turning 18, um, has made college sports easy to turn off. And he said, you know, I've tailed off, I've tailed off viewing, but you know, it's tough. I uh, got no issues with kids getting compensated, but I think they've jumped the shark. And listen, I don't think you're alone in that. And I, I hate to be the sports talk radio host that runs down the sports that we talk about because, you know, I, I like sports. That's why we're here. But it is notable that that many people are saying the same thing, including former players, former coaches like John Crispin, ESPN, college basketball analyst. I played this once already this week, but he joined Mac and Bone a couple of days ago. I think it was Monday following the uh, the weekend where we saw Wake upset Duke and the whole court storming deal. And John Crispin was reacting to the court storming, but remember, he's a former Penn State player himself. He played at Penn State and I think UCLA, but I know he played at Penn State. Listen to what he says.
4: Everybody relax. It seems
1: like like, like it seems like when something like this happens, we overreact
3: because we like we like to have something to talk about, right? We like to we go right to it.
2: I, and I get that. But let's just take a breath for a second and say like do we really want to take that away? I don't know, because we're already losing interest in the game. Like, let's just be honest with what we're dealing with. We're losing interest in the game.
1: We really don't want to take something like that away. Let's be honest with what we're dealing with. We're we're losing interest in the game. The former college basketball players. So we're losing interest in the game. So we got to keep the court storming because well, that that keeps us relevant when it happens and it you know leads sports center and. People find it exciting, and it might be a reason for them to come to the game, but we're losing interest in the games themselves. Now, that's not true for some of you. Like I, I know my guy Myron Goodman's out there. Myron's maybe maybe the most diehard college basketball fan on the text line. There are some of you out there. There's no doubt. But that's an ESPN college basketball analyst and former college basketball player saying, hey, let's be honest. We're losing interest in the game. Is that how people feel? Because I, I do see some reflections of that on my text line, listening to people talk about the game. Seems like a lot of you show up for Hornets and Panthers and, you know, not a whole lot else. Don't get me wrong. People want to talk college football because that's still wildly popular. But I heard Adam Gold going back and bone this morning, you know, and crap all over the game of college basketball and say, hey, kind of the same thing. Do we really want to take away, um, you know, these aspects of athletics that make it exciting when the quality of basketball itself is not that good? That was Adam Gold this morning, not me. Uh, But he said, hey, um... We, we kind of, you've got to dress it up. It was effectively what he said. You got to dress it up. Um, James from Maiden says it technically wasn't an upset. Wake was favored, which makes it even more ignorant. Um, Ignorance is an interesting word, James. Uh, yeah, I hear you from a ranking standpoint, it was an upset, but I hear you. I understand what you're saying. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Hit us up. Uh, Would love to hear from you. By the way, coming up in thirty minutes, Chris Trappasso, Chris Trappasso, CBS Sports NFL Draft analyst. We'll get his thoughts on what Carolina can accomplish in the draft. We'll also talk about Drake May and the quarterback stuff. The the combine starts this week, and there are actually it, here's the thing: there are interesting storylines, but most of these guys, the quarterbacks in particular, like they're not throwing, they're not performing. So what are we watching for at the Underwear Olympics this week? Smoke. Receivers. Okay. So if you're a Panthers fan, are you looking beyond well, – who are the top three candidates at the wide receiver position right now in your mind? Mitchell out of Texas? Ladd McConkie? These
2: are different wide yeah, receivers, Troy mind Troy Franklin. Troy if Franklin. Falls, okay. Yeah, guys like that. Um, it's just I don't know where some of these guys are as well. So
1: Franklin, Ladd McConkey, Adonai Mitchell. Who was the other one? There was somebody else that I'm I'm drawing a blank on. you
2: thinking of Worvey? Oh, no,
1: Xavier Leggett. Oh, yeah. Brian Thomas at LSU, I, I think could be a – but I don't think he's fallen that far, mm-hmm. right? It, what about Keon Coleman? Boy, he's hot and cold.
2: Yeah. I know Wes mentioned that to us, and that was a pretty fair assessment because when he was on, he was on. That, that LSU game specifically is what I go back to when we talk about Keon Coleman, but there's also stretches where – um he was kind of a disappearing act, but he wasn't as much as his teammate, uh, Johnny Wilson. So I it's one of those situations too where you kind of have to be careful, and that's where your scouting comes really in handy in this situation.
1: Mm. I, I I say this every year, and it's true every year. To be a fly on the wall in those conversations right now with Dan Morgan and Dave Canales trying to figure out what they want, what they're targeting at 33. Or 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 if they are truly considering the possibility of making a trip. There you go. Uh, be safe out there. Obviously, storms in the area. I, I think that's supposed to continue here for the next couple of hours. Be safe out there on the roads. Uh, let's do this. Let's hit a break. We'll come back. More on the NFL combine, what the Panthers are looking for, and what Dan Morgan and Dave Canales had to say at the combine yesterday. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ.